Welcome to the Occupational Safety Leadership Podcast, episode number 106, with a um, returning guest, Ed Falk. Now, Ed, today I actually printed off your uh, uh, everything, so I w- it would be a lot easier and smoother. So, uh, Ed is a partner with uh, uh, Fisher, with Fisher Phillips, former Assistant Secretary of uh, Labor for OSHA, and former Chairman of the Occupational Safety and Review commission uh i might add he's also the only person to hold both of those titles so uh thank you so much ed for joining me today um and i think i'd like to uh talk about uh, how that osha looks at um at things like penalties today uh i sat down i've i've tried to do the research and it's almost like because it happens behind closed doors I know what the uh, statutes say and what's proposed, but I don't really understand how they kind of come with a final conclusion. Which most most people do not. To be quite, to be quite honest, um, and um, it, it's kind of good that we're talking about this because uh, it was it yesterday uh, in the Federal Register, uh, OSHA. Uh, well, actually, actually, it was uh, Department of Labor uh, announced uh, the the annual increases in the penalty amounts. Uh, there was a change back in 2015, I believe it was. And I can't, I don't know. I think it was, it was an amendment proposed in the budget bill uh, or a provision in the budget bill, which uh, basically uh, said that you're going to, from now on, OSHA is going to, and MSHA and all, all the other administrative agencies that have penalties are going to be tied to the cost of living increases. So so as the cost of living goes up, the penalty amounts will go up. So interesting. uh, So yeah, it's like a double whammy for employers. Whereas their, their, their costs are going up. And now if they get inspected by OSHA, the penalty amounts are going to go up. So, um, Starting on the 15th of this month, which is tomorrow. No, no, that's not tomorrow. It's uh, uh, Monday, my, da- my, my daughter's birthday. Uh, and anyway, so the penalty amounts for a serious violation are going to be now, a minimum penalty is going to be $1,190 per violation. And the maximum penalty for a serious uh, and repeat, well, a, a serious violation is going to be $16,131. The minimum penalty, there is no minimum penalty for an other than serious violation. Um, and But the maximum penalty will be is the same as a serious violation, $16,131. Uh, the willful and repeat also changed as a result of this. Uh, and now the uh, the willful uh i'm trying to remember that yeah and the, and the and the uh, uh repeat uh have a minimum penalty $11,152 which is interesting because that's actually uh, and that's i just think that's interesting that that low because now the maximum penalty for a willful or repeat is 161,323 so we're talking uh you know a, a big deal of money Considering before 2015, the maximum penalty had been set in the act itself at $70,000 and hadn't changed in 
you know, 25, 30 years. That's kind of funny. Uh, so now it keeps going up every year. So, and um, if you violate the posting, um, uh, if you don't post like you're supposed to the uh, citations or the, the settlement agreement, whatever, now you can be looking at a penalty of uh, 16,131 and also failure to debate. Now, the failure to bake could get kind of expensive because um, uh, it's a the penalty amount uh, for failure to abate is 16,131 per day. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it could kind of can get up. Usually they limit that to 30 days. It's generally the OSHA won't go beyond that. But then again, 30 days times 16,000. So let's see, six years, six, three, six years, 18, three ones, three, four. So you're over four hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Uh, for failure to abate. Now, so that's the new changes that just kicked in. Like I say, were published yesterday and go on the, into effect on the fifteenth. So now, kind of going back to what you originally asked me about, how do we, how does OSHA calculate that? Uh, they do have some guidelines or guidance that they have in their field operation manual. And uh, and that goes into a lot of detail. I, you know, I, I, we're not going to be able to get into the type of detail that it goes into there, but it spells out pretty much what uh, OSHA when they're deciding on the penalty amounts, how it has to be calculated. <clears throat> and so, if you're looking on chapter, excuse me, chapter six of the field operations manual, if you if you go on OSHA website and just put in the question box FOM for field operations manual and click on that. You, you'll be pulled up, there'll be a list of them. You need to look at the most recent one, which I think is 2020 uh, was the most recent one. There's, there's, some of the old ones are still listed there, but uh, 2020, I believe, is the most is, is the current one to show. And this is the, the field operations manual is, is, goes into everything with respect to inspections uh, and how they're going to be handled and all these other things. So they do put a lot of information in there on that. But on Chapter 16, dealing with penalties and debt collection uh, is really where they kind of start off by talking about this. And so, and basically how it starts out is you start out with a, uh, the maximum penalty uh, when you get, if once OSHA decides, you know, and, that, and there's a lot of analysis even before that, when, when OSHA decides whether or not they're going to issue a citation, uh, they have to determine, go through all the hoops as to, uh, you know, can they do, can they meet their burden of proof? Can they show that there's an applicable standard, assuming they're not going to cite the general duty clause? Uh, is there an applicable standard? Uh, does it apply to this particular situation? Uh, can we show that the employer knew or with the exercise of regional diligence could have known of this violation and um, and just failed to do anything? So that's kind of the... Uh, the test that OSHA has to meet with respect to issuing a citation. So once they decide that they're going to issue a citation on under a standard, not the general duty clause, because the analysis is a little bit different on general duty clause, uh, then they go and pick out the what is the uh, what is the uh, what do they think first of all? What is the classification here? What should it be classified as? And they. They kind of look at a lot of things. They look to the gravity of the violation, uh, the size of the employer business, uh, uh, the uh, good faith efforts, and the company's previous history of violations. And um, 
that's kind of where they start with respect to uh, you know how, how they're gonna how they're gonna classify this either other than serious serious willful or repeat. Now the repeat obviously you have to have a uh, you have to have a standard that applies there that has been cited in the past. Or it it's not a, it doesn't have to be identical, but for the most part that's it, it is when they do those things. Um, so on a repeat, they'll look to see what was your what was your previous history on citation history. What citations did you have in the past, and were they affirmed? There has to be a final rule on the standard that was applied for a repeat violation. So if you get cited at a company at a um, say you get cited you get, say you have multiple multiple facilities and you, you're you're one, you got a citation going on um, in. Um, uh, uh, you got you. You have one case where uh, you 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 were cited for let's just say guarding. That's an easy one to think about. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guarding, and you and you ended up uh, not contesting that one, and it became a final rule. You paid the penalty, and and got the final. It becomes a final rule. So now at another facility, or it could be the same facility technically, but you have a, a um, if it's a final rule, uh, then. Uh, you can you can get cited for um, a repeat violation uh, if it was a guarding standard or something similar to guarding, but mostly they like I say OSHA for the most part will do that. We'll look and try to cite whatever was cited previously because it makes their life a little bit easier. Now the one thing if if you haven't get, had a final rule on the first plant and you you decide to contest the citation, then instead of settling, now that's an open citation. It has to be a final. You have to have a state. You have to have a, a citation that has was, uh, and as the specific standard has to be finalized. In other words, a final order of the commission, and that occurs one of two ways. First of all, either uh, either you settle the case and uh, and uh, if you, assuming you can contest it, but you know even if you settle it uh, uh, before you contest, uh, you still that becomes a final order. And so uh, OSHA could use that as a basis for a repeat violation. If, however, you saw, if you got the citation and say, no, we didn't do it, we, did, we, we didn't violate that standard, and contest it, and it hasn't been finalized, in other words, you haven't had a hearing or, or, or it's being contested up to the Review Commission or Court of Appeals, whichever, whatever, then that cannot be used as a basis for a repeat violation. They have to have a final order of the review commission in order to be able to cite the next one as a repeat. So we need to remember that because that is important. The other, the couple other things that you want to know about on repeats, um, OSHA can only look back five years. That's and there's case law though. It says OSHA could look back twenty years if they wanted to. But OSHA is taking the position, and that's what's in the field operations manual, is that um, they will look back five years uh, on a previous citation to, uh, for a repeat violation. So if this, once the five years have passed, OSHA as a will not will will not uh, use try to use that as a as a will as a the basis for a repeat violation. And then the repeat, when you see a repeat violation, it's going to say in the in the in the in the citation itself, it's actually going to cite that 
this standard was cited in this inspection and it became a final rule on this date uh, as part of the, the information they're providing in the citation itself for a repeat violation. So you, you got five years if in the Fed system, let's put it that way. Uh, the state plan states, some of them are a little bit different, uh, but so, some actually, I think it's California, I'm trying to remember, I think it's California. They, uh, they don't care how long ago it occurred. So it's as long as it occurred now. Thing about state plans, this is the other thing you need to be understanding is that um, citation uh, for a repeat violation, um, uh, you, I'm thinking, oh, I just lost my train of thought here. Um, you, you uh, what was it? You have the five years. Uh, oh, if you're, if the citation has to be in a fed, if 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 OSHA if it's federal OSHA trying to issue a repeat violation, it, the citation wherever it occurred, previous citation that they're trying to be based on that has to be in a federal state. It can't be in a state plan state. So um, and so you have this other situation, uh, and and for state plans then, uh, you can only get a repeat violation from a state plan if the if the citation. The previous citation, which is now final, was actually issued by that state. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So you're only limited to on the on the repeat violations. You're limited very much to uh, in state plans only to whatever they had cited cited before. So there, so those are kind of two things that you need to understand about that. So, um, okay. So when. Uh, like I said before, uh, the gravity that we had the gravity, size, good faith, and history. These uh, are also used to determine how much if they're going to have any type of reduction. Because what the in the penalty amount? Because what they do is they start out with the maximum penalty, and then they take deductions from that to get down to whatever number they're going to they get down to. So they've had to think that out fairly, had to think that out fairly seriously there. So. But they're going to look. Then they're going to look to see what is the severity uh, of the injury or illness uh, that could occur from the alleged violation. So they're not going to look and say, "Well, what actually happened?" They're going to say, "What could have been the severity uh, of the uh, if if it, if from this violation, if an accident actually occurred as a result of that violation?" Uh, so and that's going to that's going to also and once again that's going to determine. Is this, you know, a repeat violation? Is this a serious repeat or, or, or not? So they're going to be looking at those type of things. So they're, but clearly that's going to be they're looking at the severity. And then they also look at the probability that the injury and illness could have, could have occurred. So that's how they basically figure out gravity out, you know, on, on this is they look at the severity of the potential violation to cause an injury or illness. And then what is the probability that the injury notice could occur? So well, they don't have to have occurred either one. They didn't have to have an injury and didn't have to have, actually have an accident. So, so, but they still use that figures. So, you know, if somebody falls 20 feet off a scaffold and doesn't, for some, luckily they bounce on a piece of plywood and it goes at, kind of almost to a certain degree breaks their fall, but it causes them they don't have any, any real, any serious injuries. Well, but OSHA is going to look at that and say, well, it still could have had a serious injury here uh, because of that. So that's the kind of 
the center. That's the kind of stuff we're looking at there. So, and then uh, they also are going to look at with respect to severity. They're going to look at is it high severity? And actually, have these three categories: the high severity, medium severity, low severity. You know, and if it's a low severity uh, and a, a probability is low, then they may not issue a serious violation. Maybe another than serious. Uh, it's just really kind of so uh, you really don't know. You have to look at it, but. You know, of course, with respect to general duty clause violations, um, they look because the, the definition of other than excuse me, a def definition of uh, general duty clause is that uh, uh, that is a, a serious violation, a serious hazard, and so they they can't really go to look to the other than serious category. For, for that particular, if, there, if there's going to be a general duty clause, if they don't have a standard that's applicable to, to this particular thing. So, uh, and then let's see, uh, of course, if they have, if they have, as I mentioned before, uh, if it, if, for willful and repeat, then they're going to have, they got the maximum penalty, but they also have a minimum penalty. So, if you're a small employer and had all these other factors, the size, good faith, no uh, history. And I, let me put it this way: you don't get any deductions on history if you've not been if you've not been inspected before. They have Interesting. To look at, you have to in order to get that. Now uh, you do get good faith and you do get size deduction, but history, if you've never had an ocean inspection, or you know, then then OSHA is not going to look at that category. Or any type of or reduction in the penalty amount. So, so you have that, uh, and um, like I said, we talked about the prob prob determine the probability. Uh, and is it great? And that you know, as, as we had the high, low, medium for severity on probability, we have greater probability of the uh, of an accident occurring versus a low probability, uh, a lesser. They call it lesser probability of an accident occurring and somebody getting injured. And then how they determine that probability, they're going to look at the housing, what's the number of employees that are exposed. That's why you notice in an OSHA inspection, um, at, at the beginning of the inspection, they're going to ask you, how many employees do you work here? And they'll ask you also, how many employees work in this area? So like that way they can be, it's, once again, it's going to determine the probability. So the higher number of employees you have exposed, the higher the probability that the accident's going to occur or could occur. And so that's going to give you a higher probability, which means your pe the penalty amount's going to be greater than if it wasn't the opposite there. So uh, they're going to look at the frequency and duration of employee exposure. And if you ever get, if you, uh, if, if you go, if you're handling an ocean inspection, I do a lot of inspection, obviously. Um, if you can test the citations, then and you move forward, contestant, and uh, you file a notice of contest. They and OSHA issues a site a complaint. Employer uh, files an answer to the complaint. And normally, what we do, well, not normally, all the time, whenever we get the complaint, we and we file the answer. We will also file at the same time. Uh, interrogatories and requests to produce. And part of the request to produce will be requesting a copy of the OSHA inspection file because there's a lot of information in that file that's going to help you. And it kind of goes to this thing. Part of it goes to this because they're actually part of the forms that are in there. They actually have forms that they use when they're calculating penalties. So 
they're going to list they're going to list how is this what was the severity how they what they decided what the severity number was what was the probability number how was it greater or lesser uh, so that's how they kind of look at that so uh, and then they're going to have on there the number of employees uh, the number of employees that are approximately employees that are approximately uh, to the hazardous condition have proximity to the condition so that's a uh, you know so they're going to take that into play uh, are they using appropriate personal protective equipment? You know, all these different things, what type of training they've done. So it, the probabilities kind of factors in there once again. Uh, but so then they get this gravity-based um, penalty amount, and that's kind of where they start doing all the redu redu reductions in the penalty based on the thing. So, but, um, so when they're figuring out this uh uh, gravity-based penalty they're going to look at the severity and then look at the probability and then that's going to determine um, if you have uh, what type of gravity is is this citation what's, what's the gravity of this violation so if you have high severity and high greater greater probability your your gravity is going to be high now, if you have medium severity, but greater probability, you're gonna be in moderate gravity. Same thing with low severity, uh, greater probability, same thing, you're gonna have this high thing, so you're gonna be moderate. And of course, if you have high severity, but lesser probability, that's gonna be kind of in the middle for the penalty amount. Medium severity, lesser probability, once again, moderate, moderate low, or moderate in the middle. And then if you have low severity and low probability, then you're going, the gravity is going to be based on, uh, it's going to be low, and that's going to reduce the calculate the amount of like, calculation or the, the amount of the penalty is going to be calculated on. So, uh, so that, but then again, of course, you also have what they call egregious cases, and that's where uh, OSHA feels like the, um, the the employer just really didn't care about that, and there's a bunch of viola same violations, egregious. Because normally, uh, when they calculate this thing, uh, they will, you know, if you have, uh, and once again, the question about number of employees exposed and stuff like that. Uh, as a general rule, they will only issue, even if you got five people or 10 people exposed here, if they don't think if 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 it's if they consider it to be in a moderate gravity or whatever, uh, or that the employer was doing doing some, trying to do do the right thing, then then they're just going to group those together, all those people, all the violations of one by done by the thing. So, and this is where it's called. This is called the uh, violation by violation uh, approach to uh, the penalty amount. This came, this was done with Petrich Farm back in the 90s, I guess. It must have been 90, maybe earlier than that. But it's Petrich Farm was the first case that they used this, what they call egregious. They call it egregious because uh, they feel like the employer is not caring and you got all these different, um, you got all these sites, uh, violations of the same standard. Now, the Petrich Farm case, uh, the egregious was failure to uh, to uh, it was a record keeping case where they weren't putting all the people on the logs that should have mm. been on the logs. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, and so, um, and so, and they thought it was so egregious, what they call it. They do it egregious. It's just sort of the, the word they use. It was so egregious that then they decided they weren't going to group them all together into one citation and one penalty. So what they did was they cited every employer, excuse me, every employee that was not not on the log as a violation of the standard. And I think there was like, I don't know, 100 people, 100 entries that weren't put on the log. And so back then, you know, yeah. Yeah, must well, I don't know how I don't know how many it was. Probably was less than a hundred. But anyway, what it was was it's the first time that OSHA ever issued a million dollar penalty because they were it was a it was a willful egregious, and uh, so they were every every person that wasn't on the log that was supposed to be on the log was a separate violation and the full probably the full penalty. And back then the full penalty was seventy thousand dollars, but it got over a million dollars for the very first time. So this is called the uh, egregious penalty, and uh, need to be very cons- watch out for that because it can be uh, egregious or bi- violation, like violation by violation penalty. This has to do with civil cases, uh, and they actually have some uh, directive, uh, a directive on how to how to handle cases that propose a violation by violation because they have to do have to meet the requirements certain requirements to be able to do it. And like I say, that's kind of the idea is, is combining or grouping. Normally, uh, with respect to the penalty amount, too, with respect to grouping, now you could have uh, several different violations. And uh, you're going to see, and you probably may have seen this already, where they issue, it'll be a, uh, a violation and it'll be uh, item, citation one, item if it's a serious, it'll be usually citation. It's usually citation one, and the repeats and willfuls are twos, threes. But anyway, so they you'll see it listed there: citation one, item one A, and then one B. But it's all one penalty. Mm-hmm. There's no listed penalty on B and C and D and E and F uh, because they've grouped them all together into one citation. Now they're spelling out the citations. And they, you know, they said that they can show that, but uh, they're not grouping. They're grouping them, and they're not. They're not issuing us, and they're issuing a separate penalty instead of breaking them out into individual citations with individual penalty amounts. And that's that's they have to look at those things now. Normally, on grouping, uh, if the if if you see a citation, you know, and they only have one penalty, but there's two or three citations. Uh, but and they got the item one, item two, item three. Um, that means that they that they didn't think it was appropriate to group. But secondly, normally how they determine if it's going to be grouped or not, they look to see is the abatement method for that violation the same as the abatement method for the next the other next violation. And if it is, the abatement is the same thing then uh, they normally group them together as one citation, but they still break it out as individual items. And so they, they, that's kind of how they figure out that particular part on that. But they look at, they look and see, because, and I, you know, that's a defense. If you think you can show, you know, to the violation, if you can show that, that the abatement is the same to do it here, that here's, what we're, here's what we're abating here that for citation one item on, 
And here's what we're doing, the exact same abatement for citation one, item two. Then our argument, the legal argument is, it should be grouped together because the abatement's the same. Mm -hmm. So they have that. That's how I do it. So a whole series of things that they look at when they're doing that too. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, there's other categories that uh, the penalty adjustment factors, you know, you get a 10% um, adjustment or reduction in the penalty given if you have, uh, if you've been inspected, but you've not had any inspect any citations issued, then you can get a 10% off reduction off the maximum penalty. With respect to uh, uh, good faith efforts, and that's why, in a way, see, the 10% is history, and then the 25% is for good faith. And how do you get good faith? Well, you know, if you're operating, if you, if OSHA, the inspector feels like you tried to cooperate during the inspection, you, you, you corrected things quickly, all those are kind of, that's considered good faith. And that's a 25% reduction in the penalty. So that kind of floats there that they can figure out, well, we're not, it, was, it was some good faith, but not a lot. So we're only going to give them 15% reduction as opposed to 25% reduction. So you have that. And then you have uh, up to a maximum 70% reduction based on the size of the employer and the number of employees. And that's why they ask you during the inspection, right at the beginning of the inspection, how many employees do you have? Because they're going to be doing that. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, you get the 10% reduction for history. Uh, you have to have a final order by the commission. So it's all completed. So, uh, and then of course, for good and faith reduction, uh, you can't have a reduction if, if it's a high gravity, serious violation uh, or a willful violation or a repeat violation uh, or a failure to abate. They're not going to, that's just things they're not going to do. And if you don't have any safety, you don't have a safety health management system, or there's major deficiencies in the program, you're not going to get a good faith reduction. So, uh, but like I said, you can get up to a 25% reduction in from the maximum penalty. So, and they do this one at a time. So they they go to one, and then they do the next, and then the next. So you get down to you can almost get down to zero. Um, you know. If you do it, if, if you know, depending on how they calculate it, so. But usually, if you have one to ten employees, they'll give a seventy percent reduction. Mm, okay. Amount, Eleven to twenty-five will give you a sixty percent reduction. Twenty-six to one hundred, thirty percent reduction, and uh, hundred and one employees to two hundred fifty gives you a ten percent reduction. And if you're over two hundred fifty-one employees, you don't get any reduction for size. Uh, and they, they do have a what they call a quick fix for penalty reduction if you abate the site, abate the what hazard, what they consider the safety hazard or violation if you quickly abate it. So, and that's why I always tell my clients. I mean, we've got to be looking constantly during the inspection. I try to try to encourage them to make sure that they get me on board early on because we can try to get avoid a lot of stuff if we we can. There's a lot of stuff, particularly in the penalty amounts. You know, if you get the right stuff in front of them, you get get that penalty amount reduced. Of course, they might want to keep it up because that way they can use that as a basis for trying to settle the case or from OSHA standpoint. But um, uh, but if you get a quick fix, what they call the quick fix, then you you'll get you can get some reduce in the penalty amount also. So 
I think that's up to 15% is one of the amount that they can do there. So, uh, but once again, uh, you, uh, you know, there's, there's some exceptions. And, and that's all spelled out, like I said before, in the field operations manual. So the FOM. So. Um, I think is there anything else there uh, that we have missed? Oh, there's, one of the things is, you know, sometimes I try to get this and OSHA doesn't like doing it. There is there is a what they call an um oh no, I had it on the tip of my tongue and now it disappeared. Kind of get bad when you get old. They do have what they call a um de minimis mm -hmm. citation. Well, it's not even a citation. If you can get something classified as de minimis, which means that it has no bearing on safety whatsoever then normally OSHA won't even issue a citation. So, so that's another thing you can always argue, try to argue if you really think this is really a real stretch on a violation here, nothing, nobody could have gotten hurt or anything else like that. Then you might try to push to say, this is a de minimis and it should be withdrawn. Or if it's classified as de minimis, it's like I say, it's, it's like it never happened in a way. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the other thing that you want to be looking for. Um, trying to think what else. So, and like I said, the field operations manual has all these other things to talk about that they list. You know how many. You know if it's a willful or repeat willful violation, they they have the different chart now for the number, what percentage reduction you're going to get. So, uh, so that that's. That's part of what you need to be looking at when you're doing those things. So, anyway, uh, I think that's about it. Unless you have any, you have some questions on something, or nope, everything, everything was fantastic, Ed. So uh, this, um, so this half an hour has just flown, flown by. Um, thank you so much. I'd like to have you back to really talk about contesting. So and uh, and not just the issues. Um, how can I say it? And not just the things that we kind of think about it as as like the really obvious things, but um, to talk about things like uh, uh, anything that uh, the uh, the contributing factors. Um, you know, just just to kind of help to answer a couple of those questions. And so, love to have you back for a uh, well, part three. Awesome. Yeah. Good. 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 So, how can the folks uh, connect and find you out there? Well, I'm obviously, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you mentioned earlier, I'm a partner with Fisher Phillips. Uh, my, um, my email address is uh, efolk, so it's E-F-O-U-L-K-E at Fisher Phillips, F-I-S-H-E-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S dot com. So, so that's my, my, um, my, um, my, my email address. Uh, and you know, I, I always answer all the emails that I get. I get a lot of emails from people asking questions, and so I like to try to help people out. Mm -hmm. um, the other way is my cell phone number, which is uh, 864-525-9669. Um, I, give people, I give all my clients my cell phone number because the type of work I do, unfortunately, bad things happen at night and on weekends. Yep, yep, exactly. So they have to have that. They need to get a hold of me quickly. Um, because you, on a, particularly on a, a serious injury, multiple, multiple injuries, a fatality, 
um, you got to get you got to get on top of it quick, and it's very hard sometimes to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so and I prefer to be involved at, at upfront because that way I can avoid my clients shooting themselves in the foot, which which unfortunately happens a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's employers out there that think that if they tell OSHA everything they know and give them every document they have, that somehow that's going to make things okay. <laughs> and uh, it's not. It's going to make it worse. And uh, you know, especially if you got a fatality, you can't screw around with those things nowadays. Well, you can't screw around with it normally. But now in this administration, they're always looking and fatality to see if they can do a criminal referral. Yep. yep. And you have to get on top of that quickly. I mean, I usually, I have, uh, we actually have another lawyer in our, in our Nashville office. She was a, she was a federal district, federal attorney, U.S. attorney. Uh, So she's done a lot of criminal cases before. And so now she's in our OSHA practice group. And um, so we have people that we can bring in. I, you know, I've had, 